You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Hi folks and welcome to episode 98 of the Let's Talk Apple podcast. I'm your host Bart Bouchotts and this is the show for October 2021. I am joined today by an absolutely fabulous panel who are all physically a very long way away from me. Somewhat less far away, I am joined by Chuck Joyner from Mac Voices. Hi Chuck. Hi Bart, how are you? Great to be here. I am good. I am good. Um, and a pleasure to have you as always. I was actually joking to someone earlier today that it's about this time of year Chuck sends me an email for a Mac Voices gift guide. And I sat down to my computer to make this recording and lo and behold, inbox, Mac gift guide, invitation. So, uh, yay. Yep. yep. It's it's. I'm a little late getting out this year, but the way things are going this year, everything is late. So. No. And no <laughs> such thing is late this year. Stuff happens when it happens. That's, that's the way this year is and last year. Also joining me then from even further afield than Chuck is Linda Goucher. Hi, Linda. Welcome back. Hello, Bart, and hello, Chuck. It is delightful to see both of you. Indeed. Now, when I say welcome back, you you are very literally back. You have just you have just been away enjoying yourself. Well, I hope you were enjoying yourself. Yes, we were in France, and it's the uh, this is a vacation that had been planned and set up for 2020. And for some reason, <laughs> I don't know what should have happened. <laughs> it got delayed and we spent almost two weeks in France, which was um, fascinating and busy and wonderful. Um, for that for that reason, as I mentioned to the two of you previously, I may ask a couple of questions saying, OK, I'm going to play a dumb questioner here. What is the backstory on X? Well, we, we will happily oblige. We have a lot of backstory this month. It has been a very busy month. So uh, let's get stuck in with a few little follow-ups of some long-running things we've been tracking on the show for the last while. Um, We've been talking a lot about um, various things Apple announced over the summer back in WWDC. One of the cool things we all liked was that Siri was going to be available to third parties to to, uh, integrate into their devices if they liked. And obviously that takes a while to happen. Well, what's happened this month is that Echobee have announced they're adding Siri into their smart thermostats, which I think should make a lot of people very happy. Um, What made people very unhappy over most of the summer was Safari. Um, Apple have pretty much rolled back all of their changes. Uh, Not quite all, but the vast majority have been rolled back to the point where I think everyone's now happy. And people are sort of like, okay, well, at least they took our feedback. So I think we're back to a sane Safari. I I will say, though, I have turned off the color changing thing, but left the other settings intact. I don't know what you guys have done with your Safaris. Uh, Just I'm keeping mine just as is, just to see about those few changes that remain, whether I like them or not. Mm. I'm keeping most of them, but the the color changer was in my head in. So I, I got rid of the color changing. But other than that, I am keeping it. Oh, natural. So at least I know what I'm talking about. Uh, Linda, are you, are you a Safari user at all, Linda? I am a Safari user, and here I'll start with my dumb questions. Um, are those changes in, um, are they in Big Sur as well as, the, so Safari itself is updated, right, regardless right. of which OS you're using? Yeah, they backported okay. it to them all. Um, so, yeah. Okay. 
Okay. So the one change that I did make uh, had to do with the tabs because, and I still, actually, I'm still kind of futzing around to see where I want to be. Um, but the tabs, I couldn't find them anywhere. So I kind of went, okay, this is not working. <laughs> so, so I changed that back. So, yeah. Okay, That's where so, I yeah, am. So you change back. Yeah, I, I may change the tabs back at some stage because the, the active tab looks like the old address bar. And I keep on clicking on my tab and trying to type and getting very cranky that I can't type there. But of course, the address bar has moved up. So, yeah, I keep thinking I'll get used to it. But it's been, what, a month, Chuck? And uh, I'm still clicking on yeah, the thing. And, but, you know, Bart, I, I feel obligated to mention, too, that so many of these changes and so much of this, the smoke and fire around this thing, all had to do with beta versions, right. you know that that these were these were not rolled out to the the every man or every person or whatever the politically correct term of the day is. Um, <laughs> you know, it's it. So I, I guess I don't install betas, so it was never an issue for me. And I was just fascinated how at how much press all these things got in in a in a beta release. It was never I'm never really intended for everybody to to play with. It was just intended for those who wanted to play with it. Sometimes I think the journalists who run the betas forget that they're alone and that they're not representing everyone. Yeah, I think that's certainly something to do with it. That that can cut both ways, though, because it's entirely possible that those who are willing to run a beta are happier experimenting with new stuff and that the every person um, is going to be even more uh, flummoxed to use. Yeah. That's also true because they will have yeah. seen a progression, whereas us, the regular folk, will suddenly get this all-in-one big change. So we may be more flummoxed in some cases. Yeah, yeah. interesting. Yeah. Anyway, but it I also think... means sorry, Chuck. Uh, yeah, no, just just quickly. It it also means though that Apple is listening to that feedback from those people, and that's kind of a little bit of a new thing for Apple to uh, to to make this many changes. To, yeah, to that's backstep. literally the point I was about so. to make. So thank you, because, yeah, that, that to me is the takeaway from all of this. Isn't the specifics, but the fact that, oh, this beta thing, it's not just window dressing. It's it's real. It, part of the thing is, too, those of us who have the time and are willing to take the time to go look at, OK, why is this the way it is and how is it supposed to work in a new way? As opposed to people who are like, wait a minute, this isn't working the way it is, and I'm really busy. I don't have time to futz with this, and da 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 da. So that's a different. True. You know, that's when it. Yeah, that's when it comes across as just a frustration. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Bart, some people have have time to go to France. Yeah. <laughs> but if you're in France, and I have to say, while we were there, we were on a riverboat for part of the time, and we did not have good internet. So futzing around with Safari was not on the agenda. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> imagine it wouldn't be um we were also promised in the keynote last month that apple fitness plus would expand to more countries that has happened and very much connected to that the apple one premier subscription has also rolled out to more countries unfortunately as a resident of one of those more countries they did not expand the news plus service to the other countries mm. so we do get the premier but our premier is still one short we do not have news plus and while they didn't roll out News Plus to any new countries, they did roll out the local version of News Plus to three more American cities, which would be D.C., Charlotte and Miami. So I guess mm. good for those people. But boo, I still want, you know, proper Apple news here, please. Um, 
Also, our main one of our main stories last month was the hashtag Apple Two movement. Mm-hmm. Um, not a lot happened, but one notable point is that Apple fired um, Janik Parrish, one of the main leaders of that movement. Apple didn't release a comment, but uh, the reason for firing was apparently interfering with an ongoing investigation into leaks. Um, and depending on who you believe, that was a technicality and just Apple looking for an excuse or Apple following proper procedures. Uh, either way, we may find out more because uh, Parrish filed a case with the um, a, a labor charge against Apple in California. So that will play out. I can't make heads or tails out of the story. Um, maybe other people understand it better than I do. Um, if I were a jury, if a jury member, you know, on a panel looking at this, I would go, I can't tell, you know, I need to hear more about this side of the story and this side of the story in order to make any kind of sense out of it. I just, that's my only comment. That's pretty much where the whole panel landed in the last month's show, actually. We, we all sort of were like, well, there's a lot of talk here, but we're talking around yeah we don't really know what's going on so then that's sort of still where we are maybe the court case will i mean obviously in a court case these things should come out right that's what's supposed to happen so we we may learn more yeah Uh, another big story then was the whole nso group pegasus uh malware not the world's hugest developments but nonetheless two two noteworthy stories the european parliament awarded their journalism prize to the investigators who revealed uh the spyware so that's uh Interesting. I think Alison joked um, when I was on her show that, you know, the people who care most about Pegasus are the people who are being targeted. So that would be journalists and politicians. So the politicians gave the journalists an award. Fair point, but still. <laughs> I, like, I like that. That's a good, it's an interesting observation. Yeah. Um, yeah. At, at some point, I'm, I'm kind of surprised at how many people are surprised that Pegasus exists. And that the nation states are taking advantage of it existing and using it. I mean, this this is the way the world works. It's not nice. It's not great. It's not the way we want it. But it's the way the world works. Well, I guess the fact that the NSO group are claiming to be the good guys, and they're so blatantly selling their stuff to very dodgy regimes, I, I think that's sort of where the scandal is, right? It's one thing if the CIA were developing this stuff in-house, but you have a, a corporate for-profit company selling it openly. That's somewhat, well, they're not selling it as openly because the second story mm-hmm. is that the U.S. have added the NSO group to their entity list. So U.S. companies cannot import the software from the NSO group. Yeah, I'm actually delighted with both of these developments. I don't care if it is the politician saying uh, the journalist did a good job. I, My opinion is, is that the journal, the journalist did a great job. I'm very happy to see this, see the uh, the light of day. And I'm very happy to see the U.S. government uh, adding these folks to the to the entity list. Um, I'm hopeful that they are able to enforce that. That's gonna. That's just a question in my mind. Indeed. Uh, the other thing that continues is the fallout from app tracking transparency. Way back in iOS 14 earlier in the year. Um, so the social media companies have now had time for this to affect them. And of course, it is earnings season. So we saw quite a mixed bag. Um, Snap reported their earnings first. And they saw a plummet, as they call it, of 25% of their share price after they announced their results. Whereas Facebook and Google 
basically didn't really see that big of an impact. I think Facebook said they, they saw very little impact and Google's earnings actually went up slightly. Um, so they didn't suffer too badly. And then the one that sort of threw me for six is Peloton tried to blame Apple for them not doing as well. It's like, yeah, 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 COVID. Oh, yeah, and Apple. And I was like, the COVID bit, I understand. But the Apple bit flummoxes me a bit. And the only thing I can think is that they were relying on targeting ads and the assumption that creeping people out would help them sell very expensive bicycles um, or that they were selling tracking data behind the scenes. Hmm. Not really sure what's going on there, but I, I, I'm not sure I buy their excuse. Um, I, I'm not. Yeah. Yeah. Their claim is is that they could not do targeting advertising the way they have done in the past, and that that lack of targeted advertising impacted their sales. Um, they're also in a position where they did particularly well during the lockdowns, and in some countries, some places on the planet, uh, the lockdowns have been. <laughs> at least mitigated for the time being. So, you know, have been, they're, they're lessened for the time being. So that, it seems to me, would lessen the demand because there's gyms opening some places around the, around the U.S. and I would assume around the world. So where gyms are open, people don't need the, the bikes in their houses. Right? Yeah. But the thing is, right, you can target your ads at places as well as people. That's how television and radio ads have worked forever. So I don't buy this whole thing that you have to track people and spy on them in order to advertise them. No, if you want to advertise your your exercise bikes, advertise it on websites that are dedicated to fitness and stuff. No, I agree. But that's I mean, but their their claim is the other, you know, is that because they were not able to target, you know, so I I would you need to see to see data to see whether that claim has any legitimacy yeah color me skeptical but anyway you're right yeah, yeah we can yeah and and i guess maybe i'm i'm taking the a reverse message out of these stories because i love this okay. i mean because basically it it means that either depending on which which one of these you believe that either these people have been viciously tracking you and taking advantage of you and using you to make money and which they apparently have now admitted if you uh, if you feel like you're taking a real hit from this, um, or if you look at it the other way, Apple is protecting our privacy, and some of these people are saying, "Eh, we don't. It doesn't really bother. Doesn't make make any difference to us." That might even be scarier because does that mean, well, no matter what Apple does, we still have ways of getting around it and tracking you? I mean, yeah, maybe that sounds no. like it's a little paranoid. No, but, it's not paranoid, know, Chuck. It, it's it's not because actually what you've done here is hit the, is hit the nail on the head to some extent because why are Facebook and Google less affected? What, what makes them well, different to Snap? And the answer is they're not one-trick ponies because you can't track across apps but Facebook know everything you're doing on WhatsApp and on, is it Instagram they own? Instagram. Facebook know what you're doing and everything yeah. they own. Google know what you're doing and everything they own. So they're not really all that dependent on the third parties. Whereas someone like Snap, who's a one-trick pony, they were much more dependent on the cross-app tracking. So I, I think the fact that Facebook and Google are less affected is actually telling because they're spying on you entirely within their own ecosystem. And they don't actually <clears throat> need to go out of their walled gardens. Okay, now my understanding is is that Facebook was impacted and Google less so. Now maybe I'm making just a fine point here, but that was my understanding from some of the market news that I've heard. Facebook, uh, Facebook wasn't was, zero. Facebook correct. wasn't zero, but compared to Snap, they were fine. 
Yes, yes, yes. Agreed. So, so if you had to rank them, Google was least impacted. Yes. Facebook next, and then Snap and or Peloton, depending on what we think about what's really going on with Peloton. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. And if you think about it, Google has the biggest estate between their maps and their email. And, you know, they have so many sources of data and the search engine. Correct. I mean, f- f- Correct. We even forget and, the search engine. Correct. And I also want to second, uh, Chuck, what you had to say. I'm also absolutely delighted that uh, Apple has done what they've done here. And according to Apple, the customer feedback has been overwhelmingly positive. Imagine that. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's, you know, I mean, that one. But Linda, I'll, I'll kind of back you up, too. I think that, you know, I've I, some of the things I read, Facebook was trying to either that or the press were reporting that Facebook was making a big, bigger deal out of this than maybe the, the particular story that Bart's pointing to indicates. So, you know, I don't know who's coloring what, where, how, when, um, but it, it just or there's one other interpretation, and that is that any or all of these companies are using Apple's actions as an excuse for not performing as well, whether that really had any effect or not during a COVID year or a COVID time. Why does it have to be one or the other? Why can't it be both? It it can be. It can be. But it's just, it's a convenient reason, excuse, you know, whatever, to say, oh, well, we didn't do quite as good as we thought we could have or should have because Apple, you know, Apple suddenly is protecting its users and that is taking money out of our pocket. Okay, just just for the record, um, because I live here in Silicon Valley, the local press also is reporting that uh, Mr. Zuckerberg has been less than happy with Apple, and that, <laughs> that's a very polite and, way of saying it. Yeah, and and that he has done so quite adamantly. So I do think, I mean, I didn't dig through their earnings report, Facebook's, but I do. I did see reporting that they were, in fact, impacted. So that was why I brought it up to begin with. So I think uh, Mr. Zuckerberg is is uh, unhappy for monetary reasons. And, and there's also there, there's bad blood between him and Tim Cook. Like, I mean, yes. there, there is actual bad blood there. Like they have been at each other's yes. throats for quite some time. For good and reason. It's not getting any better. No, <laughs> no it is not. <laughs> Stay tuned for later in the show. Um Apple are also continuing their assault on side loading. Uh, they had released a 47-page white paper, which actually, frankly, was quite good. I, I read it all. It's actually quite a good uh. white paper. Um, and then Craig Federici gave a, it's been described as a sort of quite a passionate speech at the Web Summit in Lisbon. Um, again, very much speaking out against uh, side loading. So they obviously know what way the regulators want to blow them, and they're they're preemptively fighting back. So that that is just a continuation of something we talked about in previous shows. And then the other perpetually running story is Apple's struggles with Chinese authorities. So, Mm. you know, there were just three stories that just happened to cross my radar this month. Uh, A Quran app was removed from China, a Bible app, Yahoo Finance, Audible, all removed from Chinese app stores, at least temporarily this month. And I was going to skip this section of the show notes because it's a bit yada, 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 a bit blah, 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 as Greta Thunberg would put it. Uh, And then Yahoo went, actually, do you know something? We've had enough. And Yahoo have actually left the Chinese market, which does show you that it is possible for large tech companies to leave. Now, obviously, Yahoo don't make hardware, so it's not quite the same. But nonetheless, it's a big company to leave. Um, I want to go back to the 
side loading thing, Bart, because I'm behind on my listening to you in other contexts where where you um, pontificate. I'll say it that way. Um, <laughs> What is your on the side loading thing? Are you pretty much in agreement with Apple? Um, I, I won't say I agree with every single sentence, but the big picture, yes. So, okay. uh, I, to, to be honest, I think John Gruber summed it up best because I was initially less in less on Apple side than I am now, and Gruber was like, "Well, as soon as it becomes possible, schools and employers are going to pressure you to do it." As soon as it becomes possible, you can, the squishy organic bit can be attacked. That's my wording. Um, as soon as it's possible, you can be socially engineered into doing it. You can't be socially engineered into doing the impossible. So it's not a case that the, if sideloading becomes available, only people who choose to sideload will sideload. No, sideloading becomes available. Every bit of malware out there is going to steer you towards sideloading. Right, right. Okay. And if I were um, an impeccable human being, which obviously I'm not, um, but if I were, and I were really good about not getting hooked into something and not doing any sideloading, would I still be vulnerable in some ways? Well, you'd always be vulnerable to being tricked, but assuming, if you assume that you can't be tricked, then you're safe. The problem with okay. that assumption is that it's garbage. <laughs> okay. Because All right. I, okay. like... I have been tricked by phishing emails. Everyone gets tricked by phishing emails. They're bloody good. Sure. Right? It's a cat and mouse game and they only have to win once. Right? They right. only have to fool you once and you can catch them out 99% of the time. But if they get you once, they have you. So right. it, it is a real danger. So I, 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 to be honest, Gruber nailed it. I think he had like a, a typical mm. Gruber one paragraph comment on a story. I think it was actually on the story of the white paper. You know, a typical Gruber ah. one paragraph. I was like, oh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> Okay. All right. Thank you. Cool. I, 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 Sorry, Chuck. Bart, yeah, just real quick, I promise. Um, if you want to sideload, if you want to put things on your phone or your iPad that you, you know, that aren't Apple approved, that's fine. Jailbreak it. And, or and, and good luck. No, if you join the or developer program for $99, you can, you can compile and install anything you want on your phone. Yeah. So, so have at it. Go for it. You know, if if Apple is forced to do this, I hope that they put in a switch somewhere that is a little bit is a little bit difficult to find to allow sideloading. But I, I hope they're able to turn it off um, because it just I mean, it, this just blows me away that, you know, that the governments are trying to say, well, for right. uh, I, I can't even find a good analogy. Okay, the the it, fun it, is it part, right? Crazy. So it's a 47 page PDF and most of it is. Well, actually, it's not that dense. It's all quite human friendly. But there's one page that stands out among all others. It's a page of quotations by American and European security agencies belonging to various governments, with all of those governments explaining why you must ban sideloading on all Android devices or you're guaranteed to be insecure. Hmm. So the governments right. who are thinking of forcing sideloading, simultaneously their security arms are telling everyone, block sideloading, block sideloading, block sideloading, block sideloading. Yep. So, okay. There you go. Pretty powerful. I, I, I thought, well done, Apple. That's uh, some uh, preferably cojones there, but uh, I, I liked it. It, made me, it genuinely <laughs> made me smile as I was reading the reports. Like, yeah. yeah, well played. Well played. Um, I'm going to pay a quick visit to legal latest here. Um, the Apple Epic case is sort of simmering at the moment. It'll come back to a boil, but for this month, it's simmering. Um Epic have filed some paperwork objecting to the ruling. Apple have filed some paperwork. They have made some App Store changes. Um, so 
you can now uh, contact people outside of the app store to tell them about other ways to buy and you can ask them for their contact information as long as you don't make the functionality of your app contingent on people saying yes. Um, and they've added a new events API to, make, to so you can advertise some more stuff in your app, which is kind of cool. Uh, but they have not gone ahead with the steering. So, uh, you know, if, if anti-steering is what we call the, the ban, I guess steering is what we call the end of the ban. Uh, they have not gone ahead with that and they have filed paperwork asking for a stay on that part of the injunction because they believe it is not necessary because they're about to unveil some bigger changes. So we shall see what the judge makes of that. Meanwhile, in related news, because I couldn't find anyone else to hang this one, our friend Mark Zuckerberg makes his, I think, his final appearance in this episode. Technical details are a wall. But uh, Mark Zuckerberg made a speech and he expressly called out Apple. They are creating a new feature within their payment platform where people can sell things through a Facebook link for 0% commission until at least 2023. And Zuckerberg explicitly said it was to bypass Apple's 30% fees. Physically, how it will work and how it will not get every app who tries to do it removed from the App Store, I have no idea. So I think get your popcorn and stay tuned. But very clearly, there was no nudge and a wink. Zuckerberg just said it outright. This is against Apple. And this this could be very interesting uh, (laughs) because we we all know that Apple could, uh, you know, first of all, Apple can change the terms of the app, the App Store. Uh, to prohibit whatever it is Zuckerberg's, you know, trying. Mm. Is Zuckerberg trying to to bank on the idea that Facebook is so important to so many people, so many iPhone users, that they would raise Cain if Apple took it out of the store and and uh, removed it from their devices, or you know, in, in, uh, uh, impeded the use of it? It wouldn't be I mean, Facebook that, that see you could get thrown out. It would be the people who put it into their own apps, and I. Th- I think the the uh, gamble. I think the gamble is that with so much antitrust focus on Apple now, Apple may have their hands tied from a PR point of view. So if you're ever going to get away with it, now is when you would get away with it. I, I would go in the opposite direction. Okay, uh, Zuck Zuck is under a lot of pressure. From the regulators also. And the, the amount of bad press he has gotten from the Wall Street Journal, the uh, congressional reporting of the whistleblower, et cetera, et cetera. He's gotten a ton of uh, stuff for that. Right. But that's shall we say. privacy. I, well, I know. But but the fact that he's attacking Apple seems to me almost like a diversionary tactic. Yes, that's you know? exactly where Let's I was going, the, because he's now using okay. finances to divert people from privacy. Yeah, yeah, or or just attack Apple. It's not we're not the bad guys. Look at these guys over here, right? Base Apple into doing something drastic. Make Apple out to be the bad guy, and hope that everyone forgets that you're now called Meta, and everything just goes away. <laughs> yeah, what could go wrong with that? What yeah, could go right, that? exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it's certainly an interesting move, and I think we need to watch what happens. And then the other interesting move where we need to watch what happens happened in South Korea. So they passed a new law, which is is going to require both Apple and Google to change how they do business in the country because they have to allow third party payment systems. So not just steering, but actual third party payments. 
and Apple haven't announced their plan to comply with the law yet, but Google have. And strangely enough, Google's plan is to allow third-party billing solutions and to continue to take a very substantial cut, 11%. So they're currently taking 15 and they want to drop that down to 11. So a 4% discount for using alternative processor, which means that from the end user's point of view, there is going to be no difference in price because that 4%, it's going to cost you 4% as a business to go with someone else to process your payments. If you're going to square, aren't going to do it for free, right? So to me, this is a way of going, yeah, 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 we're complying with the letter of the law, but we're actually going to change nothing for anyone and no one's life is going to get any better. It's a very brazen attempt and they're going first. So if I were in Cupertino, I would sit back and watch. I do absolutely nothing for as long as I can get away with and see how how the government responds to this very brazen proposal from Google. So, popcorn. Uh, I, 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 I can't tell you how much I hate this because okay. I just I don't think it's I don't think it's a government's place to determine how Google or Apple do business in the store that they built. Now, if you want to talk about a third-party store or something where somebody is aggregating some of these things, that might be a little bit different. But if if I create the store and I say this is the way I want to do it, I mean, maybe I'm just a capitalist. But, I, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, okay, if I if I go to store X and they want to sell me a sweater for $50 and I don't want to pay $50, then I don't get the sweater. I go somewhere else that is either selling that same sweater for a, a better price or I just do without and 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 the idea that they're coming in and saying this and and what right does i mean the and you know the payment processors are the ones that are pushing this what right do they have to try to grab a piece of apple's pie when apple built the store why well, in this case it was actually very much an anti google law right the south korean law was because google is huge in south korea and apple isn't so this was actually billed as the anti google law and so the fact that google are the first to reply with a basically a proverbial two fingers um is very interesting but the issue is that the, the google are you have a potential monopoly situation especially when google have such a large market share in a place like south korea and you have the fact that they also sell their own stuff in their own store so the analogies to the physical world begin to break down and there's no easy answer because it's not like oh well this is clear because i would argue it's clear as mud Okay, let me let me jump in with my dumb questions here. Um, Is it the case that um, this is an alternative billing system? So is the user of an Android phone going to need to go outside of Google's what's it called? Google Play Store? Is that the name? Are they going to have to go? Go ahead. Okay, so. The people this is aimed at is the app developers. They now have the choice of going in, getting someone else to provide their payment processing, assuming it's someone who can connect into the various APIs. So Google have basically created a pathway for an app maker to use someone like Stripe as their processor for in-app purchases. But in such a way that Google still get their cut. Okay. And in that process, the user who's clicking on this app you know yeah. this app that this person has altered. They're not going to have to go outside the Play Store or outside the app. It's the, for the user. Is there any friction? 
Well, they're going to end up using whatever the other payment system is. But no, if they're just going to enter a credit card, then they're just going to enter a credit card. But I guess the friction would come in the fact that if you use Google Pay, you're already logged in. So from the user's point of view, Google Pay okay. is, is zero friction. But going to Stripe okay. or whoever would not be zero friction, you'd have to enter your credit okay. card details. So there is some friction. The reason that I'm asking, uh, Katie Huberty of Morgan Stanley, who's an analyst that you probably know that name, an analyst yes. who covers Apple frequently, uh, she is on record as stating that she thinks very few users will endure the friction. Now, she's talking in an Apple context and not a Google context, and Apple users are frequently willing to spend a little more money than Android users. But so there, you know, there may be some... But I, I I think that's an interesting backdrop is what are the users going to do? Because maybe this makes not so much difference. See, if it were to have been the case that Google had done this in such a way that going to the Play Store is 10% more expensive than going through Stripe or whatever, then I think an app developer who offers the users both choices, the users are more likely to not pick the Play Store. But when the option presented is the same price just click it through your Google account and enter no details and you just have your stuff or jump through hoops. Well, I think the way they've presented it, there's no advantage to the user that I can see. Okay. All right. Gotcha. And that's, yeah. And that's sort of, I guess, Linda, that's, that's a real good point. Is there, I mean, who, who is this benefiting? It, it was supposed benefit to benefit the, the developers. It was supposed to benefit the developers and it isn't the way Google have formulated right. this. Right. And, 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 and again, you know, I I made my previous comments uh, regarding Apple Store, but believe it or not, I think it still holds to Google's. You know, if, right. if Google's has built the built the building and built the front door, and you have to walk through it, you know, why should why should you insist? Why should the government insist that you build a side door that you can let other people in? But Chuck, now, I, I think your point is stronger here, because anyone can make a store for for Android because there is side loading. So the monopoly argument actually doesn't even hold here. So I think your point is actually stronger for Google than it is for Apple because there is no, oh, yeah, but they don't allow another store to compete. You could create your own store. There's nothing to stop you creating your own store because sideloading is perfectly allowed in Android. So I think your point is even more strong. Basically, the government didn't succeed. Is is what I see. and as you said, it'll be interesting to see what what whether Apple sits back and waits to see what happens, or yeah. does the government have the stomach of of trying to come in and in, enforce this, and under what justification? I the well, popcorn time. I I definitely think this is yeah. popcorn <laughs> yeah. time. And if Tim yeah, Cook can I'll get say. away with doing nothing, he should sit back and watch. Oh, interesting. Um, and I should also mention there is yet another antitrust case open against Apple in Russia. Um, I don't put any stock in the Russian justice system. So, okay, that's a data point. Um, And Apple are appealing the 1.3 billion fine levied against them in France uh, a few few weeks or months ago, recently enough. Um, I thought it was a really dumb decision in France at the time. I can't remember why I thought it was dumb, but I definitely remember thinking it was dumb and Apple clearly agree. So we shall see if anything comes of that appeal. Um, Is that why you went, Linda? I I could say so many things there I won't Um, this is the French government and not the EU is that correct? Correct. that's my dumb question on that one yeah yeah no no this isn't an EU thing I mean there are dumb EU things too this is different yes yes okay no just checking okay Um, 
Okay, jumping us into Apple Original Content uh, and Services, uh, quick visit here. Believe it or not, it's been two years since Apple TV Plus came out, which is kind of impressive. And they, they are definitely going from strength to strength here. Uh, Ted Lasso has broken into the weekly streaming charts, but for a little bit of a dash of cold water, they could not beat Squid Game. Um, but, you know, Squid Game is the thing at the moment. Uh, if you're looking for a new shiny, Finch, a new movie with uh, Tom Hanks, Dickinson Season 3, which is apparently the final season, and Hello Jack the Kite in the Show, which I think is a kid's show. Um, mm-hmm. They are sort of the highlights of what's coming out at the moment, and Christmas is going to be a little bit cheerier because Mariah Carey's coming back for another Christmas special. Um, what I find much more interesting is the continued push into giving people access to Apple TV+. Plus. So LG is offering smart TV customers three free months of Apple TV+. Plus. You have Amazon's latest televisions are going to have AirPlay 2 and HomeKit, which isn't directly Apple TV+, Plus, but it's, you know, it's nonetheless it's helping Apple, Apple's ecosystem here. And then what is definitely, I think, a bigger deal is that Apple TV Plus is coming to Comcast Xfinity, but also in Europe to Sky. And Sky are a huge provider here. Uh, They are Rupert Murdoch's British and European arm. Um, So to me, this is a massive big deal to see Sky on board with Apple TV Plus. So, I mean, Ireland is one of the countries. So Ireland, Germany, Austria, Italy, and then the UK, which is where Sky originated. Um, so I think they're big deals, and the more people who have Apple TV Plus, the, the it can only be a good thing. Okay, so my dumb question on this one is: I rem- is Sky still under the Murdoch banner? And the oh, reason yeah. I ask that is because there was a when. Let's see, what was it? Which the, scandal the was theater? it? <laughs> no, no, not not a scandal. Just a business deal. Just a business deal. Um, I'm going to blank on who this was, but um, somebody bought 20th Century Fox. Maybe Disney bought 20th Century Fox. I'm up. I'm behind on my business news as well. So, and I thought that Sky, maybe it was Sky Sports, went in a different direction. But we don't know. If you don't know, it's okay. Oh, well, no, it's I, I just popped up. up Wikipedia while you were speaking. Um, so, okay. parent organizations: Sky Group, Comcast, 21st Century Fox, and Sky Limited. So that is still so that, at least half in the Murdoch Empire there, but also obviously Comcast and 21st Century Fox being major shareholders is interesting. Ah, okay. All right. So there was a change in business ownership there. Okay, I'll look that up. I'm sure most folks are not all that, in, most Apple fans are not all that interested. But I'm, well, I'm I sort of slightly curious because, you know, it's interesting to see parent organizations in the plural, and that's quite a range there between Sky and then Comcast and 21st Century Fox. That's Yeah. Well, 20th Century Fox, I thought for sure, was bought by somebody else fairly recently in the last six months or so. So um, I'll, I'll need to do some digging to see. Oh, hang on. Where? Well, James Murdoch is still their CEO. All right. Okay. That's information. Okay. Okay. So 20th Century Fox is Rupert Murdoch. Sky okay. is Rupert Murdoch, and the other Sky is also Rupert Murdoch. So three Skies. Oh, it's a strange corporate structure, but it does appear to be Murdochs all the way down. Okay, even Comcast. Comcast. Uh, Comcast. As well? Let me see what who who owns Comcast today. Um, 
Headquarters, revenue founded. Oh, it doesn't mention a parent organization. Comcast may exist entirely of their it's own accord. It's its <clears throat> it is its own entity, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, no, it doesn't okay. have any parents. It only has yeah. uh, okay. subsidi- Thank subsidiaries. You. Thank you for checking. Yeah, interesting. So it's not quite Murdoch's all the way down, but it is a lot of Murdoch's. <laughs> yes, yes, it is. Okay. Oh, and I despise them all. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> Um, oh, they have been up with some dirty, dirty tricks here in Europe. Oh, so ah, yeah, hacking the phones of dead girls, for example. <laughs> hacking the phones of murder victims to get newspaper stories is probably the low point. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. Okay. I'll be honest, I haven't forgiven them for that, but yep. <laughs> it takes a bit I can of see why. Anyway, um, I thought it was fascinating. I actually thought this was a good news story, but Apple are apparently having terrible trouble fighting piracy on Apple TV Plus content. So to me, you haven't made a good show if people aren't pirating it. So I would see the fact that they're having a lot of big battle against piracy as a stamp of approval for their hard work. But uh, anyway, Apple probably sees it differently. Um, and they did yeah, also... Pardon? Sorry, Chuck. No, go ahead, please. Sorry. Uh, they did also hire uh, Erin May, who is uh, a 20th television uh, executive. She has come to Apple TV+. Plus. But, Bart, sort of back to what you were saying earlier, the piracy thing, I, I mean, I, I'm like you, I see it as a positive in in some way, but also, is it any surprise if only now they are, they have these popular shows and they are able now to add Comcast and all the things that you listed earlier, that, you know, if I can't get it on Comcast, if I, if, if I can't get it through legitimate channels, you know, I mean, we're almost going back to the Napster discussion, you know, that Steve right. Jobs had. Yeah. If if you can't, pe- people will find a way to get it if they really want it, because that's yes. the way our culture across yeah. the globe yeah. has has gone. So now the best thing you can do is to put it in front of everybody, get let them get it. And Apple, in my, in my humble opinion, Apple TV Plus is doing exactly the right thing of not charging a, a crazy amount of money to get it. So if I want to see uh, what was it, shoot um, uh, Ted Lasso or foundation or any of those i can do that for a very reasonable price yeah and a lot of free offers to help you in the door exactly point good point yeah i agree yep Uh, the other story i've been tracking for a while is apple arcade is continuing its little renaissance it went a bit quiet for a while but uh, it's pretty much every month i have pretty much exactly four stories of significant games appearing on apple arcade and they appear to show up every friday so this month we had tiny wings plus nba 2k22 arcade edition the official crayola game which is just fun um and transformers a tactical arena so they are substantial uh meanwhile there is another player in the market netflix has launched a game rental service effectively a streaming game service so that is uh, an interesting new player in the market and apple are continuing to make apple maps better with the australians getting the shiny new map experience and uh apple pay is continuing to slowly get pretty much everywhere and the norwegians get to have it on their Scans Trafiken, which I think is some sort of transport network. Sorry, my Swedish listeners, if I have any. <laughs> um, and then I thought it was fun, you know, fantastic that we are now getting stage where Apple Pay is available in Azerbaijan, Costa Rica, and Colombia. That is that is some pretty good global coverage there. So that that makes me happy. Now, after a long, quick intro section, we are getting to our main stories here. So we have how many did I end up with in the end? Three, I think. 
Yeah, I killed the fourth one. We have three main stories this month. We have the Apple Unleashed event. We have the arrival on our desktops of macOS Monterey. And of course, we have the small little thing of the Q4 2021 earnings call. So main story number the first is obviously the giant, big, shiny Apple event, which we all got to enjoy. Um, They start... Well, okay, so the first thing we got was some smaller things up front. So uh, we got the Apple Music Voice Plan, which is basically you can listen to anything, but you have to get there through Siri or you can't have it. Um... And they did roll out some more uh, playlists so that you have more that you can easily ask Siri for. Um, but it is priced very competitively at four ninety nine per month in dollars. Um, and John Gruber did his math on that. And he pointed out that you can't get anything from Spotify for that price. Although there is an Amazon equivalent that is voice only on their Echo service for four dollars. So this is of zero interest to me, but I have a feeling if we go back to that whole anti-piracy thing, for a lot of younger people who don't have my hang up about talking to tech, because I I don't feel comfortable talking to tech, I'm sorry. Um, But if you do feel comfortable talking to tech, this is quite a compelling price for access to basically all the music in the world. Why would you waste your time pirating music if you can just have it for, you know, a fiver a month? Yeah. 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 It looks good. Sounds like a good move. Yeah. And and the other Yeah, I'm I'm I mean so suddenly the only thing that well that's not really fair, but okay, so if, if memory serves, um you don't get lossless. So there's that. No. Um and you also mm-hmm. don't have the ability, as I understand it, to create playlists. Correct. So you can use the playlists if, that you're given and you can use the stations that exist, but you can't make your own. Right. So I th- I think you can say well, I won't do it, obviously, because then everybody will start playing the things. But I don't. I think you can say I want this artist or yes. this album by this artist. Correct. But uh-huh. you know, as far as the playlist, I don't think you can. So if you aren't using playlists and you don't have the need for the um, uh, the the lossless or the desire for lossless, this is quite a deal. And if you have not put your foot into the Apple Music ecosystem yet, wow, why wouldn't you give it a shot for you know five or yeah, for three or four months at five bucks a, sh- a month. Yeah, I I have to say, Chuck, um, are you? Do you actually think that anyone under thirty is aware of the concept of an album? <laughs> I, I mean, maybe they are. Of someone speaking of someone not under thirty one day. That's a fair point. Yeah, um, that that I I I don't know. I mean, that that's that's a really interesting thing because I'm. I pay so little attention to some of the the uh, so-called music that comes out now that I don't know how it drops. I know I know obviously certain things drop as single tracks, but do they drop albums as such? They are still some... released as such, but the way people tend to listen is to is to effectively the streaming stations where you say to Spotify, "Play me some happy music" or whatever, and you get it one track at a time. And so I think what stands out is that Apple made a point of saying, "And you have infinitely many skips." Because that's how people listen to music. They just uh, speak to the air and say, play me some bloody blah. And on Spotify, if you're going on the free plan, you can't skip and stuff like that. Whereas here, Apple are saying, yeah, 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 infinite skips. So if you ask it for happy music and you don't like a song, just skip. Skip. As often as you like. Yeah. And of course, you can shout at your shiny new coloured HomePod if you uh, are so desirous. Um 
I don't think there was any other changes apart from the fact that the cable and the outside got a shiny new colour. We can have yellows, oranges, navy blues. Uh, was there a red one as well? I think there was. Um, so Don't believe. Yeah, I, I have white ones. I'm perfectly boring. I'll keep me white ones. Thanks very much. They they go with everything in my house. White just goes with everything. Um, so yeah, no, it, it's. I'm sure some people will love them. Um, and what I did skip over at the top, what I meant to do first, is we did get new AirPods. So not Pros, AirPod Normals. Basically smaller and shinier, uh, IPX4 rating and uh, spatial audio. Um, so they, maybe I'm missing something, but to me, they were just a nice upgrade. I was afraid they were going to go with those horrible silicon tips I despise. And, you know, if people want those in the pro, that's fine by me, but I want to exist the ones that I don't hate and they continue to exist. So I'm happy, but it was, as far as I can see, it's basically the same idea, just updated for smaller, better. Is that a fair, or, or am I missing something? No. I don't have any comment on that one. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it's 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 a nice little addition um, for those, and it does make a difference if you if you have not experienced it. Uh, it. It's a nice little addition, but you know, it has to be something that you're going to use and appreciate. Otherwise, it's you know, yeah, go for the first gen. And I think it depends on what you do, right? Because if you're out jogging or something, spatial audio is of I would imagine less than zero interest. Well, it's probably of more interest that instead of having to do that stupid double tap thing, they actually have proper little pressure pads like the AirPods Pro so you can control them a little bit better. Um, because I have a terrible tendency of knocking them out of my ear. Now, that does have the effect of pausing. Um, so <laughs> I guess I did get what I wanted, but not quite in the way I wanted. <laughs> so they just look like a nice upgrade. Um, and their MagSafe charging case is also a nice upgrade. And that has actually been backported to the AirPods Pro. You can get those with that new MagSafe charging case. Uh, So then, of course, Apple went on to the real thing we all wanted. Um, And they started, like they did a year ago, not by telling us about the computer, but by telling us about the chips. And they introduced us to two shiny new CPUs. The M1 Pro, we were all expecting, and we all assumed would be called the M1X, because that's how they did it with the iPads. But no, it's the M1 Pro. And they gave us all the pretty graphs to prove to us that these things are very power efficient and simultaneously very powerful. So you basically can have your cake and eat it too. And just as we were all ooing and eyeing about the impressive uh, power curves and stuff on the M1 Pro, they went, oh yeah, and uh, there's an M1 Pro Max as well. These things have stupendously fast memory bandwidth and they have a shared memory architecture between the graphics and the CPU. So these these are just pro CPUs. These things are designed to take video, image, audio data and crunch it in, you know, without destroying your battery, without turning on the fans, just eat their way through that information and just do a real heavy workload. I don't know. I mean, I have a computer science degree. I just, I can't find the appropriate superlatives this is a really impressive engineering and Intel have nothing on these chips because Intel did announce new chips and they were flatly disappointing with their 10 nanometer <laughs> process. Not good chips. So then when we finally, when we had the chips, then they went on. Actually, 
There's a link in the show notes to a fantastic interview two of the uh, executives behind the M1 Pro and the M1 Max chips did with Rene Ritchie. And at one point, one of the engineers described that the CPUs were cuddled by the enclosure. So that basically they designed the laptops and the chips together and that the laptop was cuddling the chip, which I thought was so cute. I, I, just, I thought that was worth uh, referencing. But they proceeded to take these very pro chips and insert them into a very pro laptop. In fact, a very pro pair of laptops, a 14-inch and a 16-inch. And really, the only difference between the 14 and the 16 is the size. Because you can have the same stupendously powerful Max CPU in the 14 or in the 16. You can basically stick whatever you want into whichever one of them you want. Um, and I just got the most amazing sense of deja vu in the industrial design. I was for years a 17-inch MacBook Pro adorer. Um, I love those machines. And the 16-inch looks like the old 17-inch with all the bezels taken away, an amazing retina screen put on, a notch put in, which we'll come to later. Um, but the MagSafe is back, the the, the card slot is back, uh, and there's an HDMI port. Now, myself, Alison and Jeff Gamut think it's terrible to lose multi-purpose ports for single-purpose ports. I think it's a retrograde move, but it made a lot of people who are not me very happy. I don't know how you guys feel about the retrograde step away from all USB-C 3 slash Thunderbolt 4. You don't seem very excited one way or the other. I don't. It doesn't matter to me one way or the other. This is, um, for the time being, this is not... I'm not going to buy one of these because I'm not in the market for a new laptop. Um, I'm anxiously awaiting a 27-inch uh, iMac. With I am M in the chip. same queue as you. That is exactly what I am doing. Um, and the, so, the rumor mill is we're getting them early next year. That's the current rumor mill. But yeah, I, I want to see one of those high-end chips in a desktop. I hope it's 30-inch, frankly. I hope if the 21-inch ah. became a 24, please make my 27 into a 30. <laughs> Give me an M1 Pro, you know, that that would be nice, Apple. And while you're yes. at it, make the first ever Pro machine that is colourful. I want the blue one, thank you very much, but I don't think you're going to get that. <laughs> okay. Because these Pro laptops come in grey or grey. Sorry, space mm. grey or grey, basically. Yeah. 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 Um, they seem to be pretty much exactly what the Pros wanted, so I guess the fact that I don't think they're perfect isn't all that important, because, like, I'm not in the market phone, are you in the market phone, Chuck? Well, you're you're a video editor, so I'm hope I'm hoping you're impressed by this. Yeah, um, my credit card just got out of the hospital after third degree burns, having ordered one of these. Ooh. Um, ah! it should it should be here this week. Um, but yeah, to go back to the the question of the ports, you know, I've I don't have a strong feeling if they had taken out more than one of the of the of the Thunderbolt ports mm. to accommodate all this. I think I would have I would have had some strong feelings because I do not mind living in dongle world because it is so expansive. But from where I sit, one of my one of my Thunderbolt ports was pretty much always taken up, except if I was on an airplane or somewhere, you know, mobile. It's always going to be taken up by a, a charge, a charging cable. So I had that meant three, and I've still got three in the new one, or we'll have three in the new one, right? Because you, you plus I have safe, the, so you you free one right. up and you lose one. Exactly. So, and and I have an HDMI connection to boot built in, and I have um, an SD card slot, which 
really doesn't mean that much to me, although I can give credit to my friend Brittany Smith, who pointed out that if you get a, a pretty good size um, uh, card for one of the slots, it can be almost like a second external hard drive. So, you know, not and a fairly fast one, too. Um, so, okay, that hadn't thought about it exactly that way. You know, we're all we're all used to think of at least I'm used to think of sticking cards from cameras in and out of that slot instead of just having a dedicated card Always in there card. to be yeah. some additional storage. So, um, you know, I yeah, but but the rest of it, I mean, I can't wait to get my hands on this thing. To mm -hmm. if it performs half as well as they say, um, it should be pretty pretty interesting. <clears throat> yeah, and so. Do you mind me asking whether you went for 14 or 16? Oh, 16, no question. Because like you, I was a, an admirer of the of the 17. And when they went to the 16, the thing that saved it was they increased the resolution. So you actually had more screen real estate in a smaller package, which seems strange until people understand resolution. Um, so the 16, yeah, was, was an obvious thing for me. Excellent. Well, I wish you many, many years of happy computing with that one. Um, I hope it does you a few years because, like you say, the credit card suffered. But they didn't yeah. increase the prices, right? I mean, basically, they're giving you all this extra computer for, for a price point they've been hitting for quite some time. Yeah, but by the time you maxed things out, um, as in M1 Pro Max. <laughs> Ooh, um, okay. And and the SSDs and the memory, uh, you know, yeah, it, Cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching. But that was always the case, right? The, the, if, and you're the kind of person who literally makes your living off this. So for you, if if your video workflow becomes smoother, that has real value to you. Well, I guess my theory on, on any of this, regardless of whether you're a video person or not, is this is something that I have my hands on a good six to eight hours a day, if not more. Um, I mean, I spent... Uh, and I know you two have as well, and every one of the listeners have spent far more money on things that I use far less. So yeah. it just makes sense for me to say, okay, I'm I'm going to get a lot of value out of it, assuming it performs the way it's supposed to, which I have very little doubt that it will. So you know, I I can I can forgo you know a new jacket or you know a new a new sofa that I never sit on because you know I don't sit on sofas. Um, you know, and put it, put the money into a laptop that I will use, you know, constantly. So yeah, yeah it, that's, and that sounds like a really great way of me justifying spending the money on this laptop, but that's the way I think about it. I mean, I, I, I think it's terrible that people have to somehow have to just for these things, because I've never heard a carpenter argue about why they need good tools. Mm. Yep. Yeah. So well said. I, yeah. I want to make one more comment about even though I'm not in the market for a new laptop at this point in time, I am fascinated by watching what's going on with this M line of chips and the degree to which what Apple is putting out at this point is better than anything else in the market. And I'm really interested in watching what happens over the next few years in terms of the competitive landscape. Is Dell going to try to do something to compete? Are they going to try to make their own chips? Is HP? Is Lenovo? Uh, what happens with Intel? What happens with the AMD? I'm just I'm yeah. just fascinated to see what happens here. Um, the last numbers that I saw, and I and I did look up a little bit on this basis, is that worldwide Apple has Apple is roughly in fourth place as for computers. 
and uh, has about 8% uh, market share worldwide. It A lot depends on whose numbers you look at because mm. there's variance there. But um, Apple's roughly in that area. And I'm just interested to see if how and if others can compete. Leave it there. Yeah, but I mean, Apple, this is a foundation Apple laid a long time ago, and they're now getting to cash in on. So it's extremely difficult for someone like HP to just turn on a dime and copy Apple, because it took Apple so long to get here, that if they started today, they won't get here for for ages. And it saddens me, well, for a whole bunch of reasons, but Intel Ireland is about five kilometers that away. And a lot of my friends work there because I'm in a university town five kilometers from a major silicon company. Of course, the physics graduates from Maynooth University end up in Intel. Um, A lot of people I know are very tied up in Intel and they're absolutely floundering at the moment. They are not producing good. That new i9 is is, pathetic. Yeah. Sure, we'll do you fast processing and we'll take half of planet Earth with us in the process. Yeah. Yeah, one of my neighbors here in Silicon Valley, because their head HQ is not far from here, just a couple miles down the road. And one of my neighbors used to work for Intel, now works for Apple. So we'll see. Yeah. But, you know, I think there's there's a point here that is so easily missed. Okay, so Apple is at the top of the heap and right now it looks like it's going to be a while before they're unseated for these fast chips. Mm. But we also are seeing a global ship, uh, chip shortage, and that shortage is not coming, you know, from the hot rod chips. They're just, you know, the basic chips, you're, you're, you know, the chips that go into your car don't need to be an M1 right. by any, at, at, at any level. So, you know, it, nobody wants to say, yeah, we're, we're second or we're third, but, you know, they, they want to think of themselves as number one. But on the other hand, I think Intel and some of the others could, you know, can continue to develop very workable, serviceable chips. They just not are going to be built for the hot rod computer market. Hmm. But is there point? I don't know how much. I'm basically I'm trying to figure out what niche there is that Intel are still competitive in. And I'm left scratching my head because I always argued for years it was data centers. Intel, it, it didn't matter what Intel did in the desktops because they had the data centers locked up. But the thing is, it, particularly in our current times, data centers are gigantic power hugs. It is a very, very hot button issue here in Ireland that our, we are in serious danger of missing our Paris targets because we host so many European data centers because we're the only English speaking Euro country left since the British started off. And we have a massive footprint here of data centers and the fact that those Intel server CPUs are stupendously inefficient means those data centers pump, they suck in a lot of electricity and hence put a massive burden on the owners of those data centers to do carbon offsets of some sort. They switch over to, you know, risk-based chips. They don't have to be Apple chips, but they can, they can be TSMC chips, you know, branded something else. That saves them a fortune and Intel, are, they don't, they're still making 10 nanometer chips. Where Where is there left that there's profit? Because the, the profit isn't in the little chip for your headphones or whatever. The, the profit's in the CPUs. And I don't know, it makes me very sad. I, I, I get no joy from saying I don't see where they're going. 
But I hope they find something. They changed their CEO, so give the new guy a chance to find a direction, but he's got some work to do. He did say that it's his job to get Apple's business back while simultaneously running stupid, baseless anti-Apple ads, which I thought was hilarious. Yeah, but, uh, I remember looked, that. Good luck to him on that one. Um, I mean, that that's still a mystery to me. That that ad, I, I look at it, I've looked at it a couple of times, and it's like, really? Who who do you who was this for, and what was your point? I mean, it just felt so obviously pathetically staged. Yeah, they, they, they don't work. Yeah. Uh, uh, anyway, yeah, and I guess the thing we should mention, uh, I don't believe it's a big issue, but it should be mentioned. There is a notch in the screen, but if you look <laughs> at the actual dimensions of the screen, there is not less screen real estate. What there is are two wings of extra space because it's a 16 by 9 display. The camera touches the top of that 16 by 9 display and then you have extra screen space above the traditional 16 by 9 each side of the notch. So that is bonus extras. Mm -hmm. And the only issue is with some software stuff at the moment where the, the software isn't dealing with the notch as elegantly as it could in extreme situations where people have a stupidly large amount of either menu items or menu bar items, basically menu <clears> and menu bar items, and it's clashing into the middle, then it can go behind the notch because they do continue to exist, even though you can't see them, which is a little weird. Uh, but Apple's APIs allow developers to work around that. So my guess is that three months from now, this is going to be the world's biggest non-issue. And there is a mode where you can simply say, don't use that extra real screen real estate, just stick to a normal size screen. So on the whole, I see it as free bonus extra space, not a giant big calamity, but I'm sure there has been a lot of digital ink spills saying it's a disaster. Chuck, are you stressed about this, given that you've just opened your credit card? Is this something you lose sleep over? No, I mean, Bart, to be fair, I haven't experienced it yet because I don't have it in hand yet, but I... I'm, I think you said it well. I don't even think it'll take three months because uh, over the week, it was either late last week or over the weekend, I saw that the utility bartender that helps yeah. manage your uh, menu bar apps is now going to be notch aware, uh, for, to coin yeah. a phrase. Um, and there are also other utilities out there. And I think there's even a setting within uh, Monterey yes, that says, uh, you, you know, yeah, that you can you can adjust it down so that the notch issue is not an issue. So... I, you know, again, clickbait. This just this is a, a whole lot to do over nothing. Yes, second that. Yeah. So I think that gives us a segue into Monterey itself. So the OS is out. I have upgraded. It went fine. And the reason I think it went fine is because my Intel machines don't have a T2 chip. Apparently, some people with T2 Intels had some issues, but Apple have released an update to fix that problem. So hopefully that gets the people who had upgrade problems sorted. Um, I think the biggest news is that the one feature I really, 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 really wanted was universal control. And that is not ready. That is quote unquote later this fall, which means that for now, apart from some shiny little bits and bobs here or there, for the most part, it seems to be we have these focus modes, which are certainly interesting, and I need to make take more time to learn about them. And we have shortcuts on the Mac. And other than that, I, I'll be honest, I'm not seeing a huge change on my upgrade to Monterey. I'm, I'm not I seeing not anyone made... jumping up and down going, yay, Monterey! <laughs> yeah, I, I have not made the, this, the flip over just because you'll bring it up here in a minute. But, you know, there have been some older Macs have had issues with it. 
Um, and I just, I'm one of those that still, except for security updates, I'm always just a little hesitant to jump in um, until maybe the point one version comes out. Um, that's when I think you'll see the notch, potentially see the notch fixed and some of the little annoying bugs stamped out. So yeah, I've, I, I mean, I'll get around to it, but right now I'm in the middle of some projects and that's never a good time to <laughs> do a, a system update. Yeah I, yeah, I I sort of went for it Monday morning and and a peak of fancy. I was like, yeah, whatever. I'll just update this one because uh, I have two laptops. I went, I'll do one. Um, I it, it went perfectly smooth for me. But I'll be honest, I haven't seen a huge difference. Do you know what actually made me the most cranky is that the only background Apple ship is one of the abstract ones, which. Oh. And and the last OS, the abstract one was the default instead of a pretty photo, but there was a pretty photo you could change to. Uh, well, Apple didn't do a pretty photo this time. It's the abstract one or bust. Thankfully, some enterprising photographers took their cameras out and they've actually done a dynamic wallpaper. So it changes with the time of the day shot in Monterey and it's lovely. So that's linked in the show notes. And I, I have my Monterey machine changed over to that background um, as opposed to the abstract one. I, I don't like the abstract ones. They're they're too pink. They're too, they're very pink. Um, and, and I had course, not seen these these yeah. part. Thank you for this because these are some really great photos, and that's something I will be installing. Good, good. Yeah. Um, and the other thing I guess that I haven't had a chance to play with is SharePlay support has come to the Mac with this Monterey update. So as that rolls into more iOS apps and stuff, that is something that hopefully will become more interesting, but I, I haven't had any excuse to play with it yet. I don't know if any of you have either on iOS I have, or on the Mac. I'm like Chuck. I have not yet updated. I just haven't had time. So we'll, we'll look at it. And I also, I really like waiting for the dot two. Um, Ooh, the dot two. Goodness. Right. Chuck was the yes. dot one. You're wow. the dot two. I'm very, I'm, I'm, I'm even more cautious. I've just updated up on my big machine. I've just updated to big Sur. I mean, within the last month or so. So that gives you an idea. I'm very cautious. So pretty sure we're beyond point two. But anyway. <laughs> yes. OK, so uh, any thoughts on, on Monterey or. No, I guess I will yeah. jump us on then. Sorry, Chuck. Part, you know, the, could, uh, yeah, I want to follow up with something Linda just said, because I just helped a friend upgrade to to Big Sur and a utility that she uses on a regular basis um, broke. Wow. And, and it, it was something that she uses, you know, during work. And so we had to find a workaround to it. And I'm not going to call out the developer, but we went to the website and they said, we make a point of not, you know, not working on, uh, system releases until they're actually out and we can work with them. Um, and you know, <laughs> Big Sur, I mean, we've that's... now just moved on to Monterey and they haven't updated for Big Sur. And, I, and this is a utility that you probably you all would recognize. I call BS I just, on like, that though, because a the point of betas is precisely to allow developers to prepare. That's the reason there are public betas. And b the things a year old. How can you say, "Oh, we don't do it until it's out"? Well, it's been out. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so I was I was really disappointed in that developer. That's you know you would know the name of the program. It's not a major program, but it is essential for what she does and. Fortunately, we found a pretty easy workaround. That's the good news. But the bad news is that if you have things you may want to just that are essential for you, you may want to double check whether we're talking about Monterey or Big Sur or whatever. Yeah. Check check before you leap and be prepared, you know, if with an alternative, if you run into trouble. And now, the reason I upgraded is actually kind of a strange reason. 
So because I work in IT, I need to hit the problems before my users. So I did. I leaped in on the full expectation that if something goes wrong, I need to figure out the workaround first. Because the last thing I want to be doing is helping someone else figure out a problem I can't reproduce because I'm still on the old OS. So I, I sort of intentionally leaped off the cliff and it's like, well, if something goes wrong, I'll fix it and at least I'll know. And I'm happy to say nothing did go wrong and it was an extremely smooth update. And my... My Mac is like a double test because it's actually enrolled in MDM. So it's actually being managed by Intune. So it's tied into Microsoft's backend. And I've just updated to the very latest Apple OS. So if ever there was someone likely to run into a problem, it was good old me. But no, it was absolutely fine. And Microsoft obviously made use of the public betas uh, (laughs) because the machine was absolutely happy to be managed by Intune while upgraded to to the latest OS. So yeah, it was interesting because... Like I say, I wanted to go first because I don't like supporting people on something I haven't done myself. Just just as a comment for users, though, um, Chuck, I agree with your, your comment about people need to check before they actually do an upgrade. I tend to use Roaring Apps, um, that site, uh, for that purpose. But I'm wondering if you concur with that or if you have another suggestion just for people who are listening to your advice here and uh, need to check on that. I, frankly, no, I don't, Linda. I mean, but it, I, I will say this particular app, I would never, I would not have thought about it. You know, it's it's a right. it's a little one trick pony. It does one thing. Up till now, it has done it well, and there's never been a reason to doubt um, because it's not anything that really pushes right. the edges of anything. So it right. just this just felt flat out sloppy. But if you depend on it, then you know yeah. it's it's well, gonna hurt. Yeah, my own my own process very briefly is just that I open my apps folder and then open the the roaring apps and go down and go what am I using and input it in and see what it says before I do the upgrade. So just as a suggestion for listeners, I, and, I, I mean yeah, there's and other processes, but, but and that, and yeah, and Mac Updater is another. I mean that's a uh, great utility out there to help okay. you keep things up to date as well. So between roaring apps and Mac Updater, you. Unfortunately, no, neither one of those is going to say, hey, this doesn't work on Big Sur or on Monterey or, or whatever. Should, so, should, yeah. you know. Uh, I, have to, I have a somewhat different approach. My approach is if, if a developer doesn't keep an app updated, it's dead. And so I just update uh-huh. and then I just throw it in the bin. I, I, I have no um, emotional attachment to apps and I will find another solution, um, no matter what it is, because as far as I'm concerned, software is a living entity, and the moment it stops being supported, it's dead. Mm-hmm. And in the days before the internet, that was a silly attitude to take. But now that everything is networked all the time, I would argue it's, it's for your own safety, you can't run unsupported software. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Part of the executioner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm ruthless about software. I just say, yeah, whatever, it's dead, goodbye. I used to get so upset, but it's changed and I liked it this way and I've been doing it like this for years and I used to get so attached to my apps and now I just boot them to the curb. I've become so ruthless in my old age. Anyway, um, <laughs> that takes us on then to the earnings call as our third main story here. So the bottom line is Apple released earnings per share of $1.24 on $83 billion of revenue. They didn't issue guidance because COVID. So they didn't beat or fail to beat their own guidance because it was non-existent. It was a record quarter, but 
they did say that they experienced about 16 billion of a loss due to supply constraints, which is interesting to see them put a number on that. So if there had not been supply constraints, there would have been 6 billion more, which is like, that would would be an astonishing quarter, surely. You said 16 there and then you said six. And I believe Ah. six is the proper number just to clarify, pardon me. So yeah. eighty nine, so if yeah. they had, yeah, so eighty nine billion had they managed to to make the six, but I mean, either way, that's a good quarter. Uh, but of course, the stock market were not happy because Apple said that yeah, supply constraints are going to hit us next quarter, and the stock market is very much about what are you going to do for me as opposed to what have you done for me lately. And then because Apple had issued no guidance, well, analysts can't guide on nothing, right? They have to they have to trade based on their guess. Right, and so they guessed higher. So even though Apple didn't meet the non-existent um, guidance, they failed to meet the existing guesses that the stock market price was based on. So the stock came down, and Microsoft passed Apple as the most valuable company in the world. So what am I missing, Linda? Or what did I get wrong? Let's, let's go straight to um, what did Bart fail to understand? No, I think you you pretty much got it. Um, I, the only comment I would make is, is it what, what the analysts do? I mean, you couch that in terms of guessing and to some degree that's true because anytime any person, uh, predicts the future, they're guessing, hmm. but they do do a lot of fundamental research. Um, and research also can be flawed. Uh, that said, what I thought was interesting was the market went down the day of the earnings call and after hours, it was up that day. Mm-hmm. Uh, till the close. And then, of course, earnings are announced after. The market went down in after-hours trading, down the next day, but it has pretty much recovered pretty quickly. So I think it's recovered more quickly than usual. Um, I'm okay, my so, but guess... Microsoft are still ahead, because I did, I did check, and Microsoft, as of yesterday evening, when I finished up the show, Microsoft yeah. were still ahead. So that means Microsoft... It's not that Apple fell. Microsoft obviously rose... So something right. something has made the Microsoft shareholders remain happy then if the Apple stock rebounded. Right. Um, Microsoft, at, currently, Microsoft has, well, and actually not for all time, Microsoft has a different business model than what yes. Apple does. And Microsoft now is focusing more and more on cloud computing. So the proportion of their earnings that goes into cloud computing is much higher than it used to be and is considerably higher than Apple's. Um, Also, the profit margin on software generally, and Microsoft is a software company, is um, uh, the profit margin is much higher on software than on hardware. And if you're making software, you are unlikely to have a problem with chip shortages, right? Because it <laughs> won't affect your... bits will flow just fine, yeah. Yeah, so, because you're, 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 yeah, the bits flow just fine. So um, that, that I suspect is why, and I'm not, frankly, I don't care about which one has the highest market cap. Oh, no, I mean, I, it's, it's a trivial story compared to the rest, really, but it is just sort of... It actually made the news here in Ireland, like, you know, the the, the morning, the, the five-minute news on the radio. It made the five-minute uh, news, and that always sort of catches my ear. When when Apple make the five-minute news, it's like, okay, that's substantial. And right. Microsoft passing them did make it as a little, oh, and by the way, Microsoft are now the most valuable company in the world. Yeah. So and clearly that made- Apple was doomed. 
Clearly, absolutely, Chuck. Yes, no. definitely. No yeah. doubt about it. Doomed. Doomed, yeah. I tell you. Yeah. Well, maybe that's an indicator that it's time to buy Apple stock. Opportunity. <laughs> yeah. Undervalued stock is an opportunity, right? That's certainly right. what Warren Buffett would tell you. And it didn't do yeah. him any harm. Um, I will just actually push back very slightly on the chip thing because Microsoft is a cloud services company. Their cloud, the cloud is someone else's computer. Microsoft need to have a computer, not just a computer. Microsoft need to have many computers to power that cloud. Right, right. So they're not immune. But, but they can keep playing around with their software and still work on older computers, right? Right. But so, so would they? Go ahead. They're transitioning to a cloud model, though, right? They're, they're very, the, the, the days where you would buy Office as a thing you got on a CD or downloaded, those are gone, right? It's now all about Office 365. It's now all about the stuff in the cloud. And so their actual cloud offerings are an ever bigger part of their income. And frankly, Azure, Azure, Azure and Teams and Office 365 are much, much bigger than Office. Right. I guess my my argument, and and I'm quite willing to be corrected if I'm mistaken in this, but my thought would be that they would be not so impacted by the chip shortage because they can still run on older chips and older hardware. And And they they still make their sales. Yeah, because they're not, it's not a case that we're having massive outages. Now, if, if the chip shortage went on long enough, then it could. Then you would end up in a situation where Microsoft is, and they have actually done this once or twice this year, but it never makes the news. But they delay new features. Like they say, oh, yeah, we'll be doing blah, blah, blah in late October. And then you get an update saying, yeah, actually, we're doing that next February instead. Uh, well, and you do see that quite quite often, actually. What's going to make a difference from a market perspective is are they delaying any price uh, <laughs> rises or giving any discounts as a result of that? And yeah, but because it's all software as a service with a subscription model, frankly, that doesn't really make any difference, right? Because it's not in the days where they had to goose up an excuse to make you buy Office 97 instead of Office 95. They had to invent something to make you want better PowerPoint, which was, you know, that was a hiding to nowhere because, you know, once it's good enough, it's good enough. So they very smartly got themselves away from that problem. And so now kind of everything they succeed in doing is a bonus. And if they don't succeed in doing it, well, we weren't asking for it anyway. And the default is the bill just pays itself. And the price doesn't go down as a result. Yeah, it doesn't. No, or up. Exactly. It's completely disconnected. And in fact, because it's a thing that just happens every month, you don't really think about it, which is very clever. It's a very clever business Mm -hmm. model. It's just like if you're in an organization, it's just in the budget, right? We spend blah blah a year on electricity, blah a year on gas, and blah a year on Microsoft. It's, Mm. you know, it's just... And and sooner or later, somebody's going to take a look at some of those. And, and, you know, I just, it's it's very difficult to unseat somebody that gets in there the way they have. Um, But... Sooner or later, someone is going to come along. I mean, Slack came along and they started to steal the thunder. And so, uh, and especially with COVID, then suddenly Teams appeared. And, you know, and Teams is doing some really nice things, um, I'm told. I'm not sure I'm I'm completely on board with that. But they're doing some really interesting things. But I'm, I don't see a lot of the things they're doing is making life easier and, and making the product easier to use. Strongly disagree with that. So my experience okay. is, so before, so we as an organization switched to Microsoft about five years ago, I think it was. And um, before then, we would have been using Slack. And 
when we switch to Teams, I literally describe Teams as a poor man Slack. I was like, Teams is a poor imitation of Slack. And I still use Slack in a personal capacity, but in work, we've been Teams for years now. And I now describe Slack as a pale imitation of Teams. Slack is infinitely more frustrating and more difficult. Threading in Slack sucks. Microsoft have been tweaking that product. Teams, there was no one moment in time when Teams became great. But all of the incremental changes, Teams is infinitely more mature, infinitely more user-friendly and infinitely more powerful than Slack, which I find an infuriating tool to use. And I was a Slack adorer and I hated Teams and now 100% flipped. So at the at the risk of arguing with you, Bart, there's one thing that drives me crazy about Teams, and if you can do it, maybe you can teach me something. But how do I how do I open two Teams? Excuse me. How do I open two different documents stored in Teams at once? Uh, there's a setting in Teams that when you click on a document, it opens in the app. So right, when I click not, on a Word document, no, no, but that's what I want. Team. But you can have as many windows in Teams as you want. Command N, have another window. Uh, yeah, but that's that. That feels like it's cheating. That's not what I mean. I, so you're telling me I, in order to do that, I have to have teams, but I also have to have the Microsoft apps. So I have to have. OK, an but if you as a corporation are signed up to Office 365, you don't you can't buy teams. Right. T- teams isn't sold as a separate product. You're you have Office right. 365. So if you have Office 365, you have the whole suite of tools together. So if you want to quickly look at a doc, you just look at it in Teams and it's just there for you. But if you actually want to work on five or six things at once, well, you pop them open into Word or PowerPoint or whatever, and you can still collaborate in real time because I can see the point in the spreadsheet where my colleagues are. I can see all their avatars across the top. I can see them moving through the document. If I resort the columns, they see what I've done. We can chat to each other live. We can share them in the meeting. I mean, it is a, it is a very tightly integrated suite at this stage. It, it wasn't. It it was poorly connected early on. But if you're a Microsoft house, it, it works together. In a way, it didn't. I, I just feel like that's a cheat, but that's okay. You know, if, if, Ooh, if no, works, I, I think that's a feature. I, I think that's... The, the reason I like it is because it's so integrated. Like, I mean, isn't that Apple's magic? The soup to nuts, we give you everything? Well, that's that's the Office 365 magic to me. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. How do we end up as the Microsoft show? I'm pretty sure I called this Let's Talk Apple. But anyway. <laughs> yeah, well, it happens. It happens. So, Linda, I'm going to come back to you here. So, okay, for me, looking at the outside in, Mac sales seem pretty good. iPad mm. sales seem very good, actually. The iPad seems... There was a time when every, every quarter it was like, ooh, the iPad growth is down again. Ooh, the iPad down again. But the iPad seems fine now. The Mac seems very fine now. The iPhone seems grand. The watch seems, the, the, sorry, wearables seems to be doing well. Services seem to be well. Okay, so the wearables, is that a is that a weak point? Wearables are a little down. And um, iPad, uh, I don't know if this story was, is if you have this story or not, but there was a story recently, recently that they are going to be um, reducing iPad um, uh, manufacturing in order to give supply, chip supplies for the iPhone. So mm. um, 
I, I think with the current idea that COVID is being mitigated, God knows what's going to happen six months from now, but currently people seem to see infections as moving down, then iPad sales will go down also a bit is the current speculation. That's It's all guess because who yes. knows what's going to happen in any of these environments. But I would say iPhones are doing really well and will likely do very well this holiday season. Um, Mac is doing great. Wearables have not been doing quite so well. Services are doing well, but not quite as well as expected. And I'm doing this from memory, by the way. Sure, sure. So I could be off on some of these. Um, so I think the company as a whole is doing fine. Um, I'm, I'm going to go sideways on you for a moment here. No, no, here. please, please. But, but Apple as a stock is not as up, not as up, not up as high a percentage this year as is the S&P 500. And that's unusual for Apple. And I'm kind of watching that because that's that's a comparison that a lot of people make. Uh, reason being, as an investor, you go, can I buy a stock that's going to outdo the S&P 500? That's kind of like a considered a gold standard. And normally, historically, Apple has done quite a bit better than the S&P. It has not done so this year. That said, um, we're not at the end of the year yet, and Apple may have a substantial jump, which it frequently does in their, their Q1, the holiday quarter. So, um, so there's all these factors mixed in together. Um, I think Apple's fine as a company, if that's the, the, the question. Um, it doesn't to to me as an investor. It doesn't really matter if Microsoft has a higher um, uh, value at the moment uh, because that's going to change back and forth, in my opinion. So, yeah, the company is fine. Um, I expect it to go up from here, but it's really hard to tell. Um, the other one more factor I will add um, during the call. One of the analysts asked about the supply constraints and basically was asking the question, are the supply constraints going to cause Apple to lose sales or are those sales just going to be postponed further into the future? Hmm. And Tim, Tim's answer, now see, this would really matter, obviously, right. from a financial perspective. Tim's answer is some people do buy Apple products as gifts and those sales are likely to be lost right, and there will also be away. yeah the, yeah there will also be some uh sales that are simply postponed and will be pushed out to future quarters so that gives you kind of an overview and just for for clarity for my own sake and maybe listeners as well when someone when you hear the the, the shorthand market perform that's compared to the s&p 500 I can use some of this here. Apple stock, you know, outperformed the market. Is that the... Oh, I, I would say usually it's to the S&P 500. The only... I, I'm going to caveat that because if I were in, say, the UK, I might be comparing it to the FTSE. I'm not sure because I don't live in Europe or I might be comparing it to um, some other... The Nikkei if I were in Japan, you know, because each country kind of has their own... Um, so I, I'm not 100% sure from the perspective of our international listeners if that's how it would be reported if I lived in Japan, just to pick an mm. example. But um, living in the U.S. 
almost always it's compared to the S&P 500. And if the S&P 500 is doing better than Apple, what kind of companies are driving that growth that's bigger than Apple's? <laughs> that could be really, really variable. It could be. So in the U.S., we've just passed an infrastructure bill. So it could be that investors are uh, buying shares in uh, companies that are infected are affected by infrastructure, let's say a Caterpillar or another, a big equipment company, or it could be a cement company, or it could be a, you know, it could be any number of things. So it, that's going to be really variable. Um, the tech sector as a whole does play a big part. I don't know the exact uh, percentage, but it does play a big part, a very substantial part in the S&P 500. So it could be a Microsoft or an Amazon or a Google or a Facebook or you know, all of it, but S&P 500 is a list of 500 stocks and you can look up what those stocks are, um, you know, and, and take a look at it and see, let me see if I, well, no, I, I, I just sort of wondered, I guess, if there was like an, an obvious, well, actually the S&P 500 is, is being wagged by this tail over here or something, but obviously the, there's nothing quite so obvious sticking out right now. Apple is usually is, is the tail. The tail is well, it's, at least a significant portion of the tail. I don't know. I think it varies a whole lot um, because, like you know, again on the infrastructure thing, as a stock I follow called Nucor, which is a steel. You know, they do like a lot of recycled steel and so on and so forth. So they're, you know, so it's it's variable depending on what's going on in the universe. Um, pharmaceuticals could be making the the S&P go up because we need pharmaceutical companies right now because we've got a pandemic on our planet, right? right. Yes. So, yeah. Yeah. so there's a lot of factors that go in. Okay. Does that help? Does that help? Well, no, I'm oh, just wait. sort of curious for the bigger picture. And that, that, yeah, everything's weird, I think is what it boils down to. <laughs> yeah. And, and everything is always weird in a sense because there's always something going on, but we are... Uh, at least in my opinion and probably in the opinion of a lot of us, it, things are exceptionally weird these past two years. And I guess right? just to wrap up one final quick question, I'm 90% sure of this, but correct me if, I've, if I'm wrong. I think Apple didn't guide again for the correct. obvious reason. Yeah. Yeah, correct. Okay, so we shall be surprised three months from now when we do it all yeah. again. Uh, Chuck, do you, do you have anything you want to chime in or are we uh, are we all financed out? No, I think the, I mean, the, the earnings calls, the only thing I would add is if, if you, the next earning call, if you have an interest in this, you know, it's, it's available to listen real time online. And it is fascinating to listen because they're just like here. I mean, Bart covers it. Our friend Ken Ray covers Everybody covers the earnings calls. There's still nothing quite like listening to the questions get asked and Tim answer them or Luca answer them. And, you know, sometimes the verbal inflections um, can, right. can, yeah. you know, is, is Tim, is Tim annoyed with the question or is he welcoming of the question? Those, those subtleties are fascinating and it's, it's almost impossible to capture those in any kind of reporting. So if you, if you're, if you're financed out, as Bart said, forget it, you'll hear about it. But if you're not financed out, you know, jump in and, and give it a listen. That's good. Also, it's available as a podcast for a couple of weeks after the call. Also, if people don't listen right. live. Yeah. True. Yeah, so you can listen while you're out getting your exercise or whatever. Yeah. 
Interesting. Yeah, but but it's for some reason I don't quite understand. At least my reaction is it would be like listening to the Super Bowl, you know, on on re- replay. It's just oh. there's something about the fact that that is an, a live event that does it for me. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, with, with, with time zones there and they're different enough, Chuck. Sometimes you're perfectly happy to accept a bit of time shifting. Just <laughs> you know, just to hear, like you say that to hear the tone of voice can be very revealing. You know, because there's a big difference between. Oh yeah, yeah no, that's fine. And, no, no, that's fine. You know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or through yeah. gritted teeth. That's yeah, fine. That's fine. Yeah, that's fine. No problem here. Move along. Move along. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, let's wrap up with a few quick stories. Um, it's COP twenty six, so it should come as a surprise to precisely no one that Apple have some announcements to make in terms of their environmental stuff. Um. They announced some new uh, energy developments and stuff before COP26. Uh, then during COP26, they joined the Sustainable Semiconductor Research Program. And they also joined President Biden's First Movers Coalition for large companies who want to be more environmentally friendly. And as part of the PR around this, uh, Lisa Jackson appeared on Jane Goodall's fantastic podcast, The Hopecast. And it was a very good interview, both about being you know a a very experienced female executive and about apple and the environment um it it was uh, because lisa jackson was a former epa head as well so a lot of interesting experiences there and jane goodall is a very good interviewee viewer sorry um that's fun i actually quite like the hope cast it's uh, as its name suggests it's an upbeat podcast which you know in environmental matters is perhaps somewhat harder to come by um, and she's a force of nature. She is genuinely quite amazing. Um, herself and David Attenborough—they have a lot. To, uh, I'm very fond of both of them. Um, and long may they both continue. Yeah. Uh, also, in the good news column for sure, Apple have joined the Blender Development Fund. I think they do that just before the keynote, so those shiny big Mac Pros can—sorry, uh, MacBook Pros—can do lots of cool Blender 3D work now as Apple pitch into that open source project. Uh, Beats have done a bit of a shake-up of their line. The uh, Power Beats, Beats Solo Pro and the Beats EP are gone as a new Fit Pro has arrived to replace them. Uh, they seem like perfectly good headphones to me. I've never had any interest in them, but anyway, they exist. Um, and the uh, car project continues to lumber on without us really knowing mm. what's going on. All we do know is that they have hired CJ Moore, who was once Tesla's head of autopilot, and he has apparently or reportedly joined Apple under another former Tesla person, Stuart Bowers. Uh, and so they are now working on the super secret, whatever the heck Apple are doing with cars thing. Mm. Uh, apparently in a software role, which if you're the former head of autopilot, that makes sense. And uh, Tile have announced their competitors to the AirTag, and I tried very hard to find a reason to be excited by their product line, and I failed to, frankly. They seem to do what the AirTags do, but not quite as well, because they don't have as big of a network, and the price, awfully similar looking to me. I will say they have a hole, so you can stick them on a keyring. That is exactly how Apple didn't think a hole might be a good idea. I will never know. But uh, yeah, that is probably the best feature of the tile. They have a hole. Um, anyway, that's all that caught my attention. Uh, but then again, that is quite a chunk of news. So that is more than enough to be getting on with. Is there anything anyone feels I should have added to these extensive show notes? Or have we have we put the month's Apple news to bed? 
an impressive roundup, Bart. Well, folks, thank you very much for giving of your time to help me digest this once Apple News. Um, I guess we go in reverse order. Linda, you are from the Silicon Valley Mac Users Group. Do you want to give a little plug to your wonderful mug? <clears throat> yes. Um, two things. It's svmug.org. Svmug.org is the site. And we also put um, our folks up on YouTube afterwards. So we have our own YouTube channel. So if people want to take a look at what we're doing, what we're up to or what we have done, um, we've had some very good presenters, including Chuck, by the way. Uh, <laughs> and someday we'll get Bart on if we can get you up at three in the morning. Uh, <laughs> time zone thing is mildly inconvenient. Time zone is an issue, is an issue. Yeah. So, um, but anyway, we're out there. And if people have the interest, take a look. Um, I, I'm going to just Mike Potter did a uh, a presentation for us on just little tips on the Mac. And if you have the interest, take a look at that one. And Allison also did something on Bart's um, XK password thing. So both of those are up. So if people have the interest, it's there. Cool. Mac tip sounds good. I'm going to give that a go. Yeah. yeah. I was amazed at the new little things I learned. Just the little things. Just, you know, they're like inverse paper cuts, right? They're the little things that give you a little bit, a tiny little bit of joy over and over again. Yeah. And Mike Potter, who does MacStock, produces MacStock out of the middle of, our, of uh, the U.S., um, really, he's, he's really quite delightful with all his little tips. Cool. So... Uh, Chuck, do you want to plug the wonderful Mac Voices series of things? Sure. Are you a network? Sure. Can you be a network of one? Yeah, be a network of one. Okay, I'll buy that. Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, macvoices.com is where you can find everything. Um, we also do a live show um, on YouTube, uh, Tuesday nights, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, whatever time that is, wherever you are, um, at youtube.com slash TV. Um, if you can stay awake long enough, you're more than welcome to join us if you're in the uh, in the European area. And if not, uh, those shows get cut up and released into the regular Mac Voices feeds as well. So you still could be part of it. You just don't have the chance to be in the chat room and, and convene, converse and abuse the panel. And <laughs> that's usually that's usually kind of what happens. Um, and on the social networks, I'm at Chuck Joyner. Bart, thanks for having me. It's a it's always always a blast. I always love having both of you on. Uh, people can find detailed show notes at lets-talk.ie, next to which you will find a uh, section called Support the Show. I want to thank everyone who ever has and who does support the show. It is greatly appreciated. This is an entirely listener-supported show. There are no ads, so it exists precisely because you guys support it, and uh, that is the only reason it exists. So thank you, thank you, thank you. I will leave it at that for now. I've been your host, Bart Bouchot. You can find me at bartb.ie. And until next time, happy computing. You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Five. Four, three, two, one. And we are go. Go? Wait, go where? The commercial guy.
We're recording a commercial for the MyMac.com podcast. Ah, so we're recording the podcast now. Well, no, not now. At the moment, we're recording this commercial. So when do we go? Go where? I don't know. You started this whole go thing. The G-Men on the MyMac.com podcast. We have no idea what we'll say next.